This is the One Step Better Podcast. Helping small businesses make wins each and every week. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the One Step Better Podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, and with me, co-hosting today, is our good friend, Casey Salisbury. Hi. Casey, welcome. Thank Casey's you. been on the podcast before. You probably remember, um, it was a few, it's about a couple months ago now, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's been about. Uh, Casey leads a lot of our, what she, her official title is Client Success Manager, um, leads a lot of our implementations, um, training, helps our team make sure that we're servicing our clients the way that we expect to, has a lot of experience uh, in a variety of items related to payroll, benefits, timekeeping, back office administration, all of the things. Uh, and so today, she is the perfect person to be up here talking to us because we're going to talk about something that a lot of people think they're doing right, and, and it turns out they're not necessarily doing it right, and that is PTO. So um, in just a minute, we're going to define what that means, what it means to do PTO the right way, what it means to do it the wrong way. But before we do that, we got to start with something a little bit lighter. And so uh, Anna came, came up with a really good question this week, Casey. So if you could simplify your life by eliminating your human need to do one of these three things, which one would you get rid of? You can get rid of either sleep, eating, and I don't even want to say it, <laughs> or working. Which three are you? Well, which one of the three I are you going to get rid of? I think it goes without saying. Which no, actually, I I've actually thought about this, and it has always bothered me slightly that a third of our life is spent doing absolutely nothing. Um, I love to sleep. Don't get me wrong. I um can do it very very well actually but i would <laughs> i would eliminate oh yes as soon as you said a third of our lives are wasted doing absolutely nothing my first thought was work Were uh, really you no, i'm just kidding oh my goodness <laughs> i was gonna say i do nothing at work and no. it's just wasting away i wouldn't get rid of sleep i well, a couple of reasons one i think one i enjoy sleep it's fun uh just to reset and recharge if i didn't have an actual need for sleep then I would probably feel different about it because, like, I wouldn't need right. to have that recharge. Right. Sleep helps me remember that I am not God. It helps me remember that I have to have a reset, a recharge, that I just I can't just keep going in perpetuity uh, to whatever. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't get rid of sleep. That's good. Point. I think it's a good reminder. I could care less about eating though. I would oh, get rid of eating. See, no, I cannot get on board with you on that. Really? Yes, because there are so many different wonderful types of foods. And just the exp- the whole experience of a meal together, the fellowship that's part of it, um, it just, it, it's, you know, it can be lively and playful. It can be slow and, and romantic. It can be, you know, big and boisterous with all the family around. I, I absolutely love I love eating. I love all kinds of food. And I, I love eating. all the all the parts and pieces that go to it. I love the cooking and the and the cleanup afterward and the conversation during and Can you not do those things still without the actual eating part? You Imagine could, how much you, time you have freed up if you didn't have to worry about But think about the variety of the of the different experiences that you have with the different types of food. It, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, but it's the experience that I think is what mm-hmm. matters, not the actual food itself. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you didn't say work. Pretty partial to food. 
you're surprised I didn't say work? Yeah. No, I enjoy my work very much. Is it because much. you're on a podcast that's hosted by not. your employer? Uh, no, certainly not. <laughs> I would say. never say, I would never do that. No, I, I find a lot of satisfaction in my work, both um, here at works and then also um, outside of that, the, the work yeah. that you do with your family and your church. And I just, I get a lot of satisfaction of the productivity of life. Work brings purpose mm-hmm. to some extent. Absolutely. And I, I enjoy that part. Absolutely. And if you don't, like what you do or you don't like where you're working you need to go fix that because life is too short to work somewhere that you don't like to work absolutely but in the theme of not working one of the ways that we don't work is by taking some time off every once in a while and in uh, a lot of people's or in a lot of organizations mine that is something that is commonly referred to as pto or paid time off our experience working with a lot of different organizations that relates to their PTO policy is we get uh, it starts with the conversation that we have with new clients and they're going to tell us a little bit about what their PTO policy is. They may say, this is what we do. This is what we don't do. Um, and we always follow that up with, Hey, can you send me whatever it is that you just said in whatever way that you communicate that to your employees in a written fashion. So right. normally that's an employee handbook where we typically find a PTO policy Every once in a while, there's maybe a, an addendum to the handbook or an email they sent out to their entire team that they may find and forward us. But what is the majority of time that we find is that the PTO policy that they are telling us is different than the PTO policy that's actually written down in their handbook and communicated to their team members. So when I say the wrong PTO policy, it means that it's just not what you think it is. Uh, and so the majority of time I find PTO is not what they think it is, not what a business owner thinks they're actually doing. What's been your experience in helping companies actually set up some automation and rules around PTO? Well, I think the first question you have to answer when you're dealing with PTO is, um, what is the end goal here? Do I want to make it to where my employees have the the freedom to use time off as as they may um, want to throughout the year. Um, if if that's the case, we kind of want to front load it so that they have that freedom. Um, or is it more of an incentive because they're working? Um, am I earning it as I go along and kind of um, have the, the dual purpose of it, um, both for the enjoyment once I kind of get there, but also, like I said, as an incentive to work. So I think that's a good place to start. And then the second question beyond that is, um, am I going to further incentivize it by the uh, longevity of the time that you're with our company? And so like kind of a tiered plan. Um, depending on the answers to all those questions, you start getting into what does work and what doesn't work. And um, so long ago, it was calendar, you know, calendar year based PTO. Everybody got something in January and it was great to go from there. And then everybody, um, kind of reset again as the year reset. And as we're seeing more and more companies do that tiered rate uh, for, you know, their longer, um, their longer serviced employees, the calendar year just simply doesn't work anymore um, because there isn't a way to do that equitably across all of your employees. So um, now what we're seeing a lot more often is anniversary days anniversary date based PTO, which um, I think is the simplest. And then it just kind of boils down to that question, like, do you want to have them have that freedom of, of um, using it throughout the year, however they want? Or do you want it to be a little bit more um, staggered? And I think calendar based PTO really kind of came out of simplicity. You know, it was easy for a company to say, 
you know, on one one of the year, you know, I'm going to spend a whole bunch of time, a lot of resources, people resources to figure out everybody's PTO calculations. And I'm going to set it at that one time of the year and I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the year. Right. Uh, and so I could just always, you know, figure out, all right, Casey's been here for three years. And so she gets X amount of hours and I could do all, all of that one time and I'm good. As technology has evolved, though, right. that's changed a little bit. So now, like what I always tell people that we're talking with is that your PTO policy should be written in a way that it is very clear to your employees. Um, it accomplishes what you're trying to do, and it requires zero, like literally zero manipulation over the course of a year. That it's completely set up in a way that is 100% automated. automated. All of my hours are being awarded or accrued to my employees. The process of reducing their balances is relatively automated. Like it, it, this should be a non-issue for many employers. I agree. But what a lot of times we run into is, and this is where it just, this is where it can become a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, if I'm being honest. It's we get the people on the front end that say something like, you know, I'm going to give um, all of my employees. 40 hours a year. And we're going to do that maybe when they're higher. Maybe it's 1-1 of a calendar year, whatever it is. And then, like, we get everything running. It's going well. And then it all of a sudden pops up. Oh, I forgot to tell you that these four employees don't follow my rules. Or, well, we actually changed that for this department. And that's where it, it, we run into issues is because uh, companies forget that you know, a policy that's set up when I might have 10 employees may not work well when I have 100 employees. Right. And so if we start with the end in mind of where, you know, what, what our end goals are trying to be with as it, as it relates to the things you said, you know, the I want to motivate my team. I want to be able to award them equitably, all those things. How we get there, the way in which we can set our policies to get to that end goal has a lot of different avenues. Yes. And which avenue you pick is going to dictate how automated it can be, how, how hands-off you can be with those policies. And a lot of times I just find that people, they say, you know what, we're going to do it this way. And then the first hiccup comes up where, well, I didn't think about that and it caused these problems. So I'm just going to create a workaround that is fixing that problem for maybe these three employees or whatever it is. So to your point, here's a common, here's a common thing that we see. So let's say that I am uh, an employer and I have, I don't know, 40 employees, whatever it is. And I decide to set up a policy that is something along the lines of uh, on one one of the year, I'm going to award all of my employees two weeks of vacation. Let's call it 80 hours. So on one one hits and now I have a dilemma because my written policy says all employees in my organization gets 80 hours on one one of the year. Well, I hire somebody in February. Now they have to wait 11 months before they have any hours of PTO. Correct. And I hire somebody in December, and they have to wait one month before they have 80 hours of PTO. Correct. And that's when we start to see, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to change my policy without actually writing it down and communicating it to my team to be something different. Um, And that's so very normal in our world. Right. And it's so very frustrating. Right. So when you have a client come to you, or maybe it's a new new uh, new client that, that we're working with, and they're you're having these conversations about what they're doing for PTO, what how, what their policies are, um, you know, what type of automations in place for that. Where do you try to steer them to fix some of those issues? Well, I find that the simplest approach is the anniversary based, the anniversary date based PTO. 
Um, and the reason why I like that is because a lot of times, you know, as we bring on new employees, we, you know, you have that kind of um, adjustment period, you know, are they a good fit? Are they going to be here for the long haul? And so um, everybody's, you know, the employees test driving, for lack of a better term, the company and vice versa. And so there'll be like a three month waiting period. Well, that's perfectly fine. If we are able to set it up as an automated type accrual, um, the system's only ever listening, looking at it at, at January 1st. And so it's not looking at it three months after the employee is hired or this type of thing. And so that forces the client then to go in and manually put these these first hours in for the for the year. So when you say anniversary date, you're not necessarily suggesting that I'm going to give that employee, let's say, 80 hours of vacation when they walk in the door. No, no, not at all. In fact, I mean, you could. We've seen everything from um, 90 days to the first year, um, and and I think just depending on on that on your particular company and the the needs for having. Um, you know, shifts covered and that type of thing. I think it makes sense to have whatever is um, works best for your particular company. So, um, if it's the 90 days, then from that point forward, we can um, we can set it up to where the the system is awarding out those hours, um, even even uh, the very first year shortened by that probationary period, and then the next year it could kind of catch up. So, uh, you use the t the example of 80 hours, right? So if I'm going to give all of my employees 80 hours each year, um, but I'm going to require a 90-day probationary period, that very first awarding could be just 60 hours. And then they have that to use through the, the last, you know, the first nine months of their first year of employment. And then on their first anniversary, they get the full 80 and they can kind of use that that way. So I prefer the anniversary date-based PTO because I think it allows for every employee to be treated equally. Um, it's just, uh, if you've been with the company for a month or six months or eight months, it's all exactly the same if I'm basing it off of your hire date and not calendar. And then from that point forward, it allows for these, these probationary periods as well. Um, and then beyond that, it allows for the tiered, uh, the tiered accruals on top of that, because um, now I'm not, um, I'm not looking at an employee's length of service on January 1st, which may be two and a half years for one employee or, or you know, worse yet, two, two years and 11 months. But then the person that has three years and one month is getting something entirely different, um, even though they're so close. So that the, the tiered rates by anniversary date keeps everything equal. As I think well. it's easy to say or so, important to say that all of this stuff gets complicated pretty quick. Like it can. You just use a lot of terms of accruing <laughs> an anniversary date and right, calendar right, dates and right. probationary periods and all of those things, which are, are pretty normal. Those are all things that have to be thought about. You know, right. if, if you have an HR person or office manager or whoever is developing a PTO policy, 99% of the time we get policies from our clients that are not well-developed. They're, they're not thorough. Yeah. Um, and it's because... A lot of times we're not thinking through those things as business leaders to, you know, to how can we actually structure this in a way that makes sense and covers all of our bases from a more strict HR compliance standpoint. But the reality is we have to be thinking about these things because that's how our employees are thinking about things. Right. I think like the PTO policy in my world is we use the term internally a lot, um, like guardrails on, on a highway. If you think if I have like a six lane highway, for some people, the guardrails on that highway is to keep them on the road. Because without those guardrails, they're going to go into the ditches because they're just not going to drive straight. Right. For other people, 
the guardrails on the road is to remind them that they have the freedom of six different lanes they can choose from. And they don't have to be, you know, just staying in one spot. That's a mindset that I didn't understand for the longest time as a leader is that because I'm more without the guardrails, I'm going to go all over the place. Um, And so that's my natural bend. But I remember, you know, it was a while back when I had one of my employees come to me and say, hey, I need to understand this better because until I do, I'm not going to take PTO because they were so afraid of abusing a policy. Mm. And it's like, oh, that I that is not ever a thought that's ever crossed my mind. And having a clear policy really helps. It gives your employees the freedom to know when they can actually take PTO, how they can take it, what they can expect. It's predictable at that point in time. You know, the world got into a big uh, or unlimited PTO idea for the longest time uh, coming out of a big tech movement. Um, And we've seen that pendulum swing back where there's a lot of people that are trying to move away from unlimited PTO. Because what they found is that their employees were actually taking less time off. Um, in my own hunch is that it was because people were afraid that they were going to abuse the policy. You say unlimited, but does that really mean I could take two months in the middle of summer right. and you know travel the world? Uh, well, maybe I didn't really mean unlimited PTO. You know, and that's the stuff that people were afraid to really jump into. And that pendulum has kind of fallen back to what what is some structure. And here's the thing about this. Whenever we are engaged to help our clients figure out PTO policies, one of our number one goals is to help uh, is to understand from you, our client, what you're trying to accomplish with this policy. Right. Because a policy for just for the sake of having a policy is useless. That's not how we roll. We want to understand what's the purpose behind it. What's what's your why? And then from there, we're going to develop a policy that meets that goal using the simplest terms possible that it doesn't take, you know, an entire page of your employee handbook to communicate. Nor does it take two hours to manage Correct. the balances with, because yeah. that's the other goal as because, well. Because, I mean, the, the reality is if it's not, if I can't communicate my PTO policy in just a few sentences to my team, then I'm, honestly, I'm doing something wrong because I've created some friction there that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, and and if, if you just come out with, hey, I'm going to give everybody 80 hours. Well, that's not restrictive enough. And I don't mean restrictive. That's not, that's not clear enough, yeah. you know, because that's not really what I mean. Yeah, there's, there, there is a very um, happy balance between being detailed in what your policy is, but not so detailed that you can't possibly either automate it or um, your employees can't understand it. And so really we want to make it clear on the front end, you know, how, how, how are those hours going to become available to your employees? What is the freedom with which they can use them? Do you have to take a full day off or are you allowed to take a half day off? Are there blackout days, I guess, um, at, at certain times. I know that kind of has started to become a thing um, for some companies because you just have a busy season and you just can't simply... Hey, my entire team is off. Right. And it's tax season and I'm an accounting firm. <laughs> exactly. That's a struggle. And see, and, and, and that's the other thing that gets alleviated when you're doing anniversary date-based policies because if I'm doing it on January 1st and everybody's waiting until Christmas to use theirs and then suddenly it's that first come first serve and you end up with disgruntled employees so if if everybody kind of has the freedom with which to to use it throughout the year um, that is you know a unique year to each one of them that can be very helpful too. 
So what are your thoughts on the, you know, use it or lose it? So I, if you're going to do a lump sum at the front end, then use it or lose it's fine. In fact, I think it can encourage employees, like you were saying, to, you know, be, you know, be proactive in using it. Don't, um, you know, don't, sit on it don't not take a vacation because i mean there's there's benefit to letting our employees just recharge refresh to step away from the office step away from um work and 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 just do what uh re-energizes them so that's important and we want them to use it so if you're going to front load um the user lose it makes sense if you are doing any kind of incremental um, accrual, whether it's per pay period, it's per hours worked, maybe it's every quarter you give a certain amount of, if you're doing anything along those lines, then the user to lose it doesn't work anymore yeah. because you're forcing them to have either uh, hours that they accrue that they just simply can't. I'm going to get I some. almost have to use it before I actually have it. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. And it just kind of becomes a mess. So um, I would definitely... I would always have a carryover of some kind, even if it's small. Um, if you're doing incremental accruals. We had this, we, <laughs> I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah, there was a, there was a time in which we had a client, no longer a client of ours. And I remember a very clear conversation where they said something along the lines of, Hey, I want to offer this as a benefit to my team, but I also want to make it in a way that they don't use the, this benefit. Oh no. And I was just like, wait, so you want to set up a PTO policy, but you want to make it such that your team actually can't use it. And it was all about the, the appearance. It was the perception yeah. of, hey, we have a PTO policy. And I remember that, I just remember thinking, it's like, are you for real? Like you want a policy, but you don't want your team to use it. But if you don't want your team taking paid time off, then don't, just, simply just don't, don't do it. it. Yeah, don't do it. And and that's the other thing. I mean, if it, eventually it's going to come like you're, it's going to be recognizable that, that it was set up yeah. with that intention and then you've just kind of shot yourself in the foot with your employees because not only do they not have pto but they realize that they've been somewhat no duped. one in my entire organization so. can actually tell me what this means or how to do it or right Look, yeah. you got to watch also state laws start to matter right. um you know so in some states if i have a pto policy then upon termination, I may have to pay all of that out. Right. And e like, it may be illegal for me to say in my handbook and in my practices that I'm not going to pay out your PTO upon termination. So you have to watch out for your state laws there. Another thing that we're seeing is, um, so there's, I think, about 13 as of the, the day of this recording. I think it's 13 different states that now have mandatory paid sick leave. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of a uh, the evolution of PTO over time is, you know, originally, you know, probably I'll say 30 years ago or so, um, it was pretty normal for a company to have a vacation plan, a sick plan, a personal plan, all three separate policies right. that have different rules on it. So like, you know, vacation is truly for, I'm going to schedule vacation a couple of weeks out, you know, personal days, maybe I don't have to, you know, schedule them super far out, but somewhat, you know, in advance. And then sick days are, you know, you have to have a doctor's Bring note a doctor's or can't, you know, right. that type of stuff. Exactly. Um, and that kind of created some complexity that I, I think people just didn't enjoy. And so everything got shifted into this, we're going to call it PTO, PTO, pay time off, and everybody's just going to have one bucket. It does, I don't care if you're going to go on vacation. I don't care if you're going to go to the doctor. I don't care if you're going to take time off to go see your kids play at school. It's just going to be PTO. And that was my preference for the longest time. Uh, I just want, as the employee, I want to be able to control why I'm taking my time off. As the employer, I want my, my team to have the freedom to take time off whenever they feel like they need time off without having a bunch of rules around it. 
Um, but what what's happened now, we've seen this over the past couple of years, is with the introduction of more states doing paid sick leave, we're seeing people, seeing employers start to split out their PTO plans into separate plans now. Because yeah. I now have to follow a state-mandated paid sick leave. In some states, that can be up to 12 weeks a year that I have to pay out at some rate. Um, and so I, I may not want to offer now, you know, three weeks, four weeks of, of paid time off because I have to do this under the mandatory sick leave. And so now I'm going to have a mandatory sick leave, but I'm also going to change my PTO policy, maybe just a vacation policy and eliminate some of that time. Right. Um, and state, state laws really are dictating that uh, for a lot of employers. Well, and quite honestly, so I'm, I'm more of an advocate for a, a sick leave and a PTO. I, I was on board there for a while for kind of the all-encompassing because of the simplicity of it. But one of the downsides to that is that if if all of my paid time off, um, you know, I have, like you were saying, I have the freedom to use it however I want to use it. Well, what happens when I turn out to be sick for two, for two weeks? Well, now there's no vacation happening in that particular year because I spent all my time being sick. And so the reverse could possibly tr be true as well as I don't want to have to lose my time because I'm sick. So I'm going to show up to work sick. Sure. And so like you want to avoid that. Right. So I think I think having those separate policies, it, it, it does add complexity. Um, and then, of course, you've, you kind of have to go that next step of if I'm using sick leave for sick leave, am I going to require a doctor's note? Am I going to, yeah. you know, trust the the good, um, you know, the, the trustworthiness of my employees and, and call it what it is. But um, but I, I think there's value to having something separate specifically for. Um, when our employees are sick, just so that they don't feel like they're getting. But even that depends upon structure of policies, right? So if I have if I have two separate plans where I'm going to give you three weeks of vacation and one week of sick pay, your example, you're still, you have a week of unpaid time now, or you're going to have to dip into your PTO bucket or your vacation bucket. If I just gave you four weeks of PTO pl uh, days, well, now both are covered. And so it, it, I think it depends on how you right. write your policy because most people, most people weren't offering a significant amount. Most employers were not offering a significant amount of paid sick leave. Uh, a lot of times it was you get four or five sick days a year. Everything beyond that is unpaid. And now, of course, this is very different if, you're, uh, if you have a bunch of salaried employees versus your hourly employees. Um, you know, salaried employees, if they're take if they're working at all during a week, you're gonna have to pay them for the full week, regardless of leave, uh, in most most states. Um, but your hourly workers are the ones that really felt the brunt of, you know, what I'm sick, and yeah, I'm sick more than five days a year, and I'm really kind of hosed during that that time. Um, and then we, you know, we started to see we have uh, unpaid leave, and people mm -hmm. are now developing rules and policies around. I'm only going to allow you to take one week or five days or 40 hours or whatever it is of unpaid leave. And right. at that point, we're talking about disciplinary actions. And so I, I, st I like the simplicity of having one bucket for all of the things and giving it in, putting it in the hands of my employees to control. But it's absolutely correct to say that for some employees, it, it gets to be difficult. But for those same employees splitting them out isn't going to solve their medical issues. And that's where maybe, right. you know, you can have a short-term disability, you know, policy or or even insurance offering, things of that nature to try to cover the, hey, you know what, this was going to be more than expected and I'm going to be out for six weeks type of thing. Because, you know, a short-term disability policy may cover up to two-thirds of their salary anyway. 
um, which I think is what is really these mandatory sick leaves that the states, New York, California, there's a, there's, I think, like I said, I think there's about 13 of them now that are offering or trying to mimic some type of short-term disability insurance product yeah. as part of their mandatory leave. And uh, the jury's still out on how that's going to be adopted. Um, most of our more progressive states are trying this first, which is what normally happens in right. HR rules. Uh, and then it'll eventually make its way across you know, really the middle of the country. Uh, and so we'll start to see that over time. But the, the big thing that I want uh, you know our listeners to understand is that I would almost guarantee, just based on my experience, that right now, if you go and look at your PTO policy, it's probably written in a way that is, in, in one area or another, is different than what your employees actually understand it to be. Um, and so, you know, go challenge me on that. You know, go and ask a couple of employees, what what is our policy? Um, or even, even give them a copy of the written policy and tell me, hey, explain this back to me. And if they can't do that very clearly, um, there is a point of friction that's, it's not going to make or break your company. It's not going to make you go bankrupt. It's not going to cause, you know, catastrophic, catastrophic event inside of your organization, but it is a point of friction that has the potential to limit your employees trust in you, to limit their productivity, um, right. to create some doubt on, on how things are operating. And so I would encourage you to find a way to simplify that policy. And I'm going to give you a template for that. And I'm going to have the last word here because I know that you and I disagree a little bit on this. <laughs> <laughs> but here is my ideal. Mm -hmm. If I could write every policy in the world, the structure of the policy, you can, you can put your own numbers in it, but the structure of the policy would be like this. We're going to accrue hours every pay period based on the hours that you worked or the hours you get paid. Right, so you can include holiday pay or sick, you know, whatever it is. So we're going to accrue hours based on the hours that you worked over the course of a year. It resets on your anniversary date. We're going to allow you to carry over a certain number, a limited number of those hours from one plan year to the next. And there's going to be a probationary period of, let's say, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, depending upon industry that you do not have access to those hours. So you're still accruing those hours. You're getting hours in your bucket. You just can't use them for the first X amount of days. That, if you implement a policy like that, it doesn't matter what your industry is. Uh, it's going to be a policy that can be automated 100%, yep. that it, it doesn't require any manipulation on any particular employee. It's equitable across all your employees because, you, like you mentioned, you could have tiers of, of hours awarded based on length of service. Um, and it's going to make your employees' lives a little bit easier uh, because now it's predictable. I don't have to wait and see. I'm, I'm going to, I can easily put that into a calculator and know exactly how many hours I'm going to have at any point in time in the future. Uh, and so that's my ideal policy that I would write for every client that we ever talk with regardless. And so if you're out there listening and you're saying, hey, you know what, I wonder what Casey has uh, to say and disagree about that, feel free to reach out to her. She, you can get <laughs> her at KCS at works.com. <laughs> And she will be glad to tell you her thoughts. They're not much different than mine, but they are a little bit different. Um, and so we appreciate you listening to us. Casey, I got one more question because uh, we realized that we didn't ask you this question last time. Uh, uh, and we like to ask this for the our new co-hosts that come on board. Um, what is something that you've been using in your life that helps you personally sim simplify part of your, uh, your life? Uh, well, I have recently discovered... Um, an app that I now feel that I cannot live without. It's called My Daily Planner. 
and um, it's the free version. I know that if I were to, you know, bite the bullet and pay the all probably six dollars a year, it's You're not right. even that much, <laughs> quite honestly. But um, this app I have found. Um, not only lets me get my my daily to-do list um, for home um, and family, I've got my workout routines on there, I've got my office weekly tasks and preparation for um, meetings and all just all kinds of things. I even have uh, book ideas. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. It does a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> and so I've actually found that I've, I've spent, I've probably spent too much time organizing what I'm going to get done. Right. But, um, you could have got a lot more done if you weren't spending so much time. I don't know. There remains to be seized. I yeah. don't know. But um, but yeah, this particular app has just really changed things up for me. My so I love planner. it. My daily planner. Yep. Gotcha. Very good. Well, Casey, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Really Thank appreciate you. Um, everything that you do here at Works. And if you're out there listening and you have questions for us, or just want us, to, you know, you want us to review your PTL policy and some, poke some holes in it. There's nothing that I enjoy more than poking holes in people's PTL policies. <laughs> so send them to us. You can reach us at onestepbetteratworks.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the One Step Better podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you would take some time to rate us five stars on your podcast player of choice. And make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss out on another episode. Thanks and have a great day.